the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black Show. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Wow. The earnings season has been a doozy this year. I think in large part... We're still getting the, the disease, the COVID showing up in earnings reports. We're also getting some of the drama of the Russia Ukraine spillover into the energy sector. We're also getting inflation tied to the supply chain. We're getting the supply chain asking when will semiconductors and when will toilet paper, when will that settle down? got to be patient it's going to take some time Uh, inflation when it shows it typically has an easy year of comparisons and then those comparisons work against inflation some stories in the headlines Trayvon Walker defensive end out of Georgia was selected number one overall in the NFL draft by the Jacksonville Jaguars Um, I can't make that in any business story other than the NFL and this this both my sons kind of got into the NFL this year. I don't know what happened, but they're both t- more talkers. We go out and throw the football. Maybe it's a little bit of that kind of thing. But my son's learning that the career of a football player is really, really, really short. Three years is the average. And one of the things that football players teach us is how not to handle money. Um, there's a guy in the draft this year. His nickname is Sauce, and he's got a big diamond necklace called Sauce around his head, and he's got a big, uh, well, you get the idea, right? I'm like, I don't know if I'd be spending all that money because you are one hard hit away from losing your ability to walk. Can't walk. You need someone to take care of you. Can't walk. Can't earn your living. Can't walk. It's expensive. And it happens a lot in the NFL. So I'm trying to use those lessons on my kid. Um, they don't understand the whole, like, why didn't they take a quarterback first? I always thought quarterbacks always went first. <clears throat> James Corden is leaving the Late Late Show next year, presumably to go full-time on carpool karaoke. Um, it's interesting the way he has set up his career. He was there for eight years. It makes me feel kind of old because I remember when he got there, I'm like, what's this pudgy white English guy doing on my TV? Who is he? And now out of all the late night shows, he's the number two show. The number two out of all the late night comedians on the internet. So he's got a lot of followers. What will he do with them? And the carpool karaoke is such a strong segment. Why do the other stuff? Eli Lilly said that patients taking the highest dose of an experimental weight loss drug lost 21% of their body weight in a late stage clinical trial. Um, I like Eli Lilly as a long-term patient investment. It's a pharmaceutical company, a lot like a Pfizer and a Merck. 
Lily is onto something here. Um, in large part, if you take a look around the country, you'll see a lot of heavy, overweight Americans. Patients taking the highest dose of the drug lost roughly 50 pounds or 21% of their weight in a late-stage clinical trial. Those taking a low dose of the drug, which is injected weekly, lost about 35 pounds or 15% of their body weight. Obesity is a chronic disease that often does not receive the same standard of care as other conditions. We have cancer, we take care of it. We have heart attacks, we take care of it. We're overweight, which leads to other diseases. We don't take care of it. 110 million obese Americans. And now there's be a shot that helps you lose weight. That's pretty, I'm not going to say revolutionary because I don't want to get too caught up in what Lily pulled off there. But it's noteworthy. It is darn, darn, darn important to look at that one. Booming tech shares lifted the market yesterday for its best day in seven weeks, giving Wall Street a much-needed confidence boost. It wasn't all peachy keen. There was a company called Teladoc, which really did well during the pandemic. And their stock went out of control up. And you go, okay, life after? There's sure, we are probably going to be going to more doctor's appointments in our lives with streaming. And most of us are okay with that. But, oof. It just got so high priced. <clears throat> they underperformed yesterday big time, dropping 40%. And poor Kathy Wood, she owns that one too. Kathy Wood of the ARK Investments tries to invest in really disruptive technology in Peloton and Teladoc were, were just girl, little girls with the curl. She had Zoom. She had all the right stuff for two years in a row. And then all that stuff kind of went bad overnight. And you open the fridge on Monday morning and she goes, oh, I think I should have thrown this one out. President Biden has asked Congress to approve a $33 billion in extra additional funding, a major bump up from the $13.6 billion in aid the United States has already allotted for to help Ukraine's prolonged fight against Russia. Um, it's not going to take a rocket scientist to figure out that money is kind of one of the, the big ramifications economies of this Ukraine-Russia war. And the damage that Putin is doing to world economies should never, ever be forgiven. I know to forgive is divine or something along those lines, but uh-uh. this, is, this is hurting women and children. This is hurting innocent people. Biden preps a big student debt announcement. President Biden said he'll make his much-anticipated student loan forgiveness announcement in a couple of weeks. So not everything's answered. He's still going around lawmakers and seeing what he can get done, what he cannot get done. The president said he's considering dealing with some debt reduction, but explicitly said it won't be the $50,000 per borrower that progressives were pushing for. He could opt for an income-driven overhaul, which historically has been most people have been skeptical about. Department of Education promised significant changes to its broken income-driven repayment plans. Um, I can tell you one thing, that the Biden administration is hardcore going after scam schools. And a lot of scam schools are un online universities, as well as beautician schools, where it seems to over-promise and kind of under-deliver. And I got to be kind of careful what I say, because when you say the word scam on radio or television, you better stay very, very close to the right uh, path.
Amazon recorded its first quarterly loss since 2015. That's kind of stunning. And it's not really the slowing of the e-commerce. It's the inflation and the cost of delivering. And Amazon got really aggressive during the pandemic and continued to open up factory after not factory, um, storage place after storage place so that you know he could deliver his warehouse goods to you. They need to stop, tinker, fix the problem. They'll be okay. With that out there, um, the inflation issue is hitting everyone. I know it's hitting me in concerts. I know it's hitting me in restaurants. I know it's hitting me in gasoline. It's also hitting Amazon. Apple posted a stronger than expected quarter as customers shelled out for iPhones and service offerings. Its stock fell after it talked about some supply constraints and how it could hit shares. Ultimately, revenues about $4 billion to $8 billion could come off this quarter due to supply chain. And it was almost sad because Tim Cook had a great quarter, but then they had to come out with their CEO, CFO and say, oh, and by the way, we are having some supply chains. And yes, we are Apple and we're supposed to be supply chain bulletproof, but we're not. Twitter reported its final earnings before Elon Musk take over. Company has no idea what's next for the company. That would be interesting if somehow Elon Musk walks away. And how could he walk away? By insulting Twitter employees, because that's part of his deal. He won't do until the deal closes. Huh. He went pretty aggressive at a lawyer at Twitter yesterday. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Find us at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. White House is moving closer to menthol cigarette ban. I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I'm not a smoker. My dad was a smoker. My dad died of cancer. Um, that everyone thinks the cigarette smoking helped rush on. Um, I don't know how I feel about banning cigarettes at this point in time, because it feels like they're already out of the hands of people's hands. We don't want them in, but I don't really know. And then I, I you throw in like a president banning menthol cigarettes in the United States which is about one third of all cigarettes. It's about $20 billion in sales of which it also hits a very high tax for the States. It's almost, uh, I know secondhand smoke kills. I, I know that I get that, but I don't know how much more banning I want. It just, I don't know what doesn't people. Americans don't like that. I'm okay with it because I don't, I think it's a disgusting, filthy habit, but I see the money side of it too. Do you see how much of a problem I am? Snap unveiled something that I didn't know we needed, and we'll see if we need it, but I didn't know we needed this. Oh, snap. Um, They've always called themselves a camera company, and they've had some spectacles that you could put on your face and uh, record people. You know, get like 10, 15 seconds of a vi- video of your friends through your own eyeballs perspective, or like if you want to do a skateboarding video, pretty cool stuff. So Snap is trying to say, we're not really a social company or a camera company. I don't think anyone really buys into that who uses Snap. We feel it's like, oh, it's a cute picture of me with a augmented reality image. I think Snap is a lot closer to the metaverse than Facebook. But they involved something yesterday that's kind of cool. And uh, you should. Maybe go look for it. It's called Pixie, P-I-X-Y, Pixie. It's a yellow mini drone 
Ooh, it's a yellow mini drone that floats. Yes. But here's the weirdest part about it. There's no controls on it. The quarter pound pixie retails for $229. It promises to be your own personal flying Michael Bay. So you can start making some action movies of you. Or like your 10 friends can get together and huddle up and all wave at the camera. And it floats. So it's going to create some better looking memories some better looking video. Um, It needs to be plugged in after five to eight flights. So you don't get a lot of usage out of it. It's completely unmanned. So you don't have an app or anything that you can do to control it. They're beginning selling a limited number of these things which I would imagine influencers grab. I would imagine influencers are giving most of them. I can't imagine me going, hey, this little thing that's yellow, it looks like the size of maybe three inches by three inches, uh, maybe five by five at at its height. Um, But Snap has 330 million active users daily and 100 million more than Elon's Twitter. Uh, Snap announced that over 1 billion Bitmoji avatars have been created globally. Uh, They're okay. But again, when it comes to investing, and someone dropped me an email yesterday and said, hey, you know, I know a couple of years ago you were thinking of looking at Alibaba, and it looks like it's been cut in half. Did you get it? What's the story on that now, Rob? I'm like, you know, I, I was looking at it, and I was. It's the Amazon of China. And then ultimately, I just didn't pull the plug on it. I couldn't say, why not just own Amazon? Well, now we found out why not to own Amazon after a horrible quarter from them. Interesting that Jeff Bezos just left the company and Andrew Jassy just came into the company. Does that not kind of look like, hey, hey, what's going on here? Looks a little fishy to me. But uh, sometimes the, the best decisions you can make are not to make a decision. And I've always said on air, I don't really like the pseudo-Chinese capitalism i'd prefer it is what it is say it's a communist country that has its own form of capitalism that's not our form and it makes it a lot more tough a lot tougher to invest in so snap has a new camera out i don't think that's going to be a game changer famous last words are like people who bet against things that become game changers (laughs) howard stern had on his producer and uh, i guess at the show's height uh, he started doing tech reviews, like he was getting into podcasts, maybe planning to leave the show or something like that. And he famously talked about the iPad and how it's a bit of a dud. And, uh, he says, it's just a bigger phone. It's just a bigger phone. And, and, uh, it's a little bit different, but it's neither here nor there. Um, what else do we have to hit? I think there's plenty, is there not? So the S&P 500 is getting really, really close to that area that you want it to be hold. So Amazon's down 10%. Apple's down 1.2%. Now keep in mind, Apple, Amazon was up 5% yesterday. So ultimately when push comes to shove, it's not as bad as it sounds on a two-day basis, but the one-day basis, that's pretty awful. Same thing with Apple. It was up 4% yesterday and it's down 1.2% today. So people got a little excited. People became a little less excited. Exxon and Chevron had unbelievable quarters. But the stocks aren't doing much. Why? Because we knew they were going to have unbelievable quarters. We saw what oil prices were doing. Russia's firing missiles again at Kiev. 
year zone consumer price inflation moved to a new record high, up 7.5% year over year. The Fed Fund's future market is pricing a 94.5% probability of a 75 basis point hike at the June meeting. In addition to an expected 50 basis point hike at next week's FOMC meeting. So we know inflation, and please write this down, get comfortable with the statement. Inflation's not going to be pretty for the first six, seven, eight months of the year. And right around August, it could start getting a little bit easier. But we're talking about 125 basis points. The mortgage market would not implode. But if you're thinking about getting a mortgage in the next year, now, right now is probably the time to think about it. Um, that's going to hurt real estate prices. Fewer people will qualify for homes. And when you do 75 basis points, that's an aggressive move. And hopefully one that the Fed is thinking very wisely about because it is going to grind the economy down to a halt. 10-year treasury yield has been really subdued, sitting at 2.89%. Employment costs were up in the first quarter, increasing 1.4%. On a seasonally adjusted basis, wages and salaries increased 1.2%. Cost of benefits in your 401, not in your 401k, but cost of benefits that the companies give you increased. So the costs are there. You could see the inflation. Higher interest rates will be a headwind for stocks. Um, I can't say that there's anything to like other than there's some great companies at, at big sale prices. Stock market has had some time now to stare at the writing on the interest rate, so we know it's coming. And the fact that I told you 58 this month and 75 next month, well, that's kind of the, the, the expectation now. Anything less than that would probably be greeted warmly. We'll see. I'm Rob Black, talking about 2022 and much, much more. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. An education-first approach to managing your money. This is The Rob Black Show. Invest in what is really important. Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. Are you concerned with financial planning, tax planning, managing your investments, or just planning your retirement? Rob Black has partnered with EP Wealth Advisors. With over $12 billion in assets under management and more than 80 financial professionals at the helm, EP has your financial future in mind. Learn more by visiting robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. I like talking a little bit about my personal scenarios in hope that you could see something kind of related to you. I saw that California now has the most million-dollar homes by a lot compared to the rest of the country. I bought a home last year. Well, I sold a home that I had bought 12 years earlier for $920,000 and I sold it for 2.68 million. And I bought a home that was similarly priced and it's now gone up a million in a year. To buy the home 12 years ago, I used some stock gains. To buy the home that I moved into this year, I used some stock gains. And oddly enough, during that time, I also had some home price equity gains, right? So Apple gets hit and is starting to underperform. But last year was up 20%. And I sold into that strength just a little bit of my shares so I could buy a multi-million dollar home, which is crazy to say out loud. And that home goes up a million dollars. Do you see how the wealthy get wealthier? And it's just, it's, it's disturbing. 
I shouldn't be that fortunate or that lucky. Um, and my stocks all went up 25% last year as the markets went up 25%. Now this year is a different story, but I'm not feeling pity for myself. Like I see a lot of people. I saw something I want to share with you because what we're seeing with the interest rates, you have to be ready for. I have always said, because I stole this line from someone else, Rick Edelman, that people afford mortgages. They don't afford homes. And a lower cost mortgage allows people to get into a bigger home. A higher cost mortgage and people have to sacrifice space or location or something. There's no shame in starter homes. I have a listener of the show for 20 years, Gabrielle. and. Um, for probably the first five, six years, she was stressed out of her mind that she couldn't afford a single family home. And she kept getting out of bed. She kept getting out of bed. She kept getting out of bed. And I was like, you know how there's like condos for sale in San Francisco, they're building towers and there's signs on them that say um, condos for sale in 19 or 2012 coming 2012. And I was like, just buy one of those. And then in a couple of years from now, you're going to sell that and you're going to buy something a little bit bigger. And that's ultimately what she did to get into her single family home. But a lot of us have that mom and dad home in our brain when we're children and we can't break out of that. So let's talk a little bit what I want you to hear. Comerica Chief Economist Bill Adams says he sees no signs of a bubble in the housing market. While prices have increased dramatically, he says there are solid fundamental reasons for it. So he's saying there's fundamentals. I've shared with you what my experience was last year with real estate. It's probably more fun to socialize with people selling their homes right now than people who are trying to buy one. When I sold my home last year, I was like, "Um, I'm going to have a good Friday night. Like, I'm going to enjoy this. Because it was like job well done. It was almost like Maverick, Pete Maverick, Top Gun 2, coming to a theater near you. The reviews on this thing are awesome so far. And I didn't even like Top Gun 1. On a social media front, if you talk to people about homes and buyers versus sellers, buyers are bummed. Sellers are, are, are thrilled. Some buyers, investors who are feeling whiplash by the market, wonder if the whole thing is just a bubble or if they'll be at the right place to catch a break when the bubble bursts. For sellers, it's the opposite. The values of homes have surged even if those homes are in out-of-the-way areas. Prices have continued to rise long after their initial post-pandemic rally. If rising rates have cooled the market slightly, the party shows very few signs of it ending. Bill Adams, the chief economist from Comerica that I want you to hear kind of what he has to say, said that home prices will gradually level off but a crash or even a modest drop in prices doesn't look likely for now. There's not enough homes built in America and we've created an enormous amount of wealth for people who some of us feel lucky that that it's fallen our way. And I bought a home with it last year that it also went up. And interestingly enough, the stock that I used to help finance the home kind of went sideways, but it's still my home and it's going to be tough to get me out of it. Now, I'm more worried long-term about wildfires. I'm more worried long-term about interest rates than pricing of the home. 
Adams, the economist, forecasted 10% overall increase in prices this year and says that despite the big moves of the last few years, the fundamentals for the market are decent. The job market in the United States is very strong and household balance sheets are very solid, which means more people can afford to pay for their homes in worst case scenarios and in best case scenarios. They can demand more space in a floor plan as well as the overall footprint of the home. As people who are working remotely kind of want that justification to work remotely with a little bit more space. Inventory, and this is the the, the issue here, it remains near record lows. Spurring even more competition amongst investors and regular home buyers for the most coveted properties. There's a home going on for sale in my neighborhood this week. This weekend, they're doing an open house. And me and my kids were talking about it. And they're like, they're like, we hope some kids move in. I'm like, yeah, you just hope they're not babies. Because you guys are already almost teenagers. And you know, by the time they're your age, you'll be having kids yourself kind of thing or something. I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not that. I'm not ready to be a grandfather yet. For homeowners who don't need to sell or relocate, there's less incentive to list in an overheated market. Considering that they join the hordes of buyers who are already struggling to get, you know, uh, sell their current home and get into another home. The one big bright spot for the broader U.S. housing landscape for buyers is housing starts rose in March to the annual rate of 1.79 million, representing the highest amount of new construction we've seen in years. If you want home prices to get more affordable for you or maybe for your children, you try to elect a local official or a state official who's going to say, we're going to build, we're going to build California. We're going to build houses. We're going to put houses in parking lots. We're going to put houses in the sky. We're going to put houses on lakes. We need more homes. We're going to turn those uh, shopping malls into houses. That's federally. I don't think you're going to see it from the president demand a housing you know, surge in affordable homes be built. So that's where maybe your local political decisions could come in if you're thinking about the future for children. Or maybe if you're in a home, you're just thinking, ah, screw it, don't develop, save the cockroach. It's always, it's always interesting the way people get very protective of what they have. But before that, they demand to be part of it. And then they, once they get it, they're like, no, no, this is my club. You're not allowed to be in. And that's happened a lot in the housing market. Um, I see it in my neighborhood of people like hating companies, hating on companies for trying to move in. Um, elsewhere, um, I think I, I hit housing enough. It's going to be a very interesting 100 days as there's something called the Fed Futures. And it's kind of like a robot algorithmic programming where we start figuring out what the odds are based on what economists are seeing and statements out of the Fed. The Fed futures are basically saying there's a, a better than 90% chance we raise interest rates 50 times this month and 70 points um, the month after. And that would be a gigantic move. Just remember how in March we started raising interest rates for the first time. And the markets are like, oh, 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 I don't know if I can walk on this sailboat. It's all choppy. You ain't seen nothing yet. So it's coming. Everything that we're seeing in inflation is bad. It's not good. There's nothing that we're seeing. Okay, we're seeing a little bit here and there. And this is interesting. This is where China's COVID could actually help the world. But Russia's shutdown economy can actually help the world. By creating supply disruptions, we can't get the goods and pay the high prices for them. But it's not that simple. 
Um, it's going to be a very interesting next 100 days on interest rates. Just be prepared for that. Elsewhere out there, what do we need to hit this morning? Um, let's take a quick look and see how the market's playing out. Major stocks begin the session on a lower note. We see the Dow Jones Industrial Average trade slightly lower. The NASDAQ's down the most, along with the S&P 500. When you have Amazon and Apple underperforming today, they're such large companies that the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ are market-weighted indexes. They're going to pull down. They're going to pull we could have 98 winners today, but because those two guys are strong, they could they are so big, they could have a bad day and pull the markets down. It's not that bad of a day per se. It's bad because the, the big boys are losing hundreds of billions of dollars of market cap. So let's talk a little bit about Apple, and I'll try to talk a little bit about Amazon as well. So... Apple is holding its 200-day moving average at right around 160. Revenue for the consensus quarter in June has gone from 86 billion to 83 billion. Supply chain implications for the broader market are not good. Apple is the top of the food chain, and they feed a lot of smaller players underneath them, like Qualcomm, like Broadcom. Uh, the Fed will be aggressively raising rates to combat inflation. And they can't do anything. The Fed can't do anything to fix the semiconductor supply chains. Intel said the semiconductor supply chain will probably be a problem until 2024, of which Intel is betting big on America by building more manufacturing here so that we don't have to worry about COVID in, in China in the future. Can Intel get it up and going fast enough? The answer is probably not. Tesla reclaimed its 200-day moving average. So some of the big boys are kind of finding their level. I'll talk about Tesla and Apple when we come off the break because, no, not Tesla and Apple. Apple and Amazon when we come off the break. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money and investing and more. Have a question? Reach out at robblackshow.com. robblackshow.com. Stocks are falling to continue the rough start of 2022. I guess you could say we are now four months done roughly. As you look at the calendar and you see that April is starting to wrap up, it's been a tough year. Stock market lower today after disappointing earnings reports, not from Apple in the last 90 days, but what Apple said over the next 90 days and Amazon as well. Data reveals still very high inflation. The markets opened lower. The S&P 500 has fallen 11% this year and is on track to close out its worst January through April period since 1970. The NASDAQ has been flirting with bear market down 19% in 2022. Add one more percent to it, it's technically a bear market. It's worst four months to a start of the year since 1973. Federal Reserve is lifting interest rates to stave off high inflation and the expectations are the next two months, you're going to see 125 basis points added. Now, the good news is the economy is still strong right now. The bad news is that will do a lot to start slowing things down. So the Fed has been accused of engineering recessions. I think it depends on if you come from the wealthy side of America or the less than wealth or the haves and the have-nots, or maybe you're looking at it from Republicans, maybe you're looking at it from a Democratic lens. Doesn't matter to me. The Federal Reserve is lifting interest rates to save off high inflation. And the next two meetings are going to be doozies, it looks like. Inflation is the impetus for all of this. 
all of the problems we have right now are tied back to inflation. So you could say Russia and Ukraine, yeah, it's created energy inflation. You could say China COVID issues where factories are shut down. Yeah, it's created inflation issues. Uh, semiconductors are getting hit pretty well today as it looks, Intel's telling us it's going to be 2024 before things normalize. Uh, as far as semiconductor uh, having enough product created to meet demands. Again, kind of an interesting problem to have. Cruising's back. We'll talk about that in a moment. But the reopening of the economy is is created situations where we need more semiconductors, where we need more energy, where we need more hotel rooms, where we need people staffed at those hotel rooms. Now, some of this is going to give the Fed Reserve wiggle room to not raise rates. It'll ease the pressure on the Federal Reserve. And that could be a welcome outcome. That's the first silver lining I could see that we're going to try to get pushed across here. But right now, the path that we're on is stringent. Amazon and Apple are weighing on the NASDAQ today. The company's combined capitalizations are about $4.1 trillion. And that's about 20% of the NASDAQ's aggregate market cap. And since it's a market-weighted index, those two companies way disproportionately affect the NASDAQ and the S&P 500. Amazon reported a profit but missed expectations on sales of $116 billion. Higher costs like labor and shipping weighed on the company's profit. The company also guided for sales of $118 billion, kind of at the midpoint of expectations. Stock's down 10%. I still like shares of Amazon for the long-term investor. My long-term is I'd like to be able to give it to my kids. So what's your long-term? I don't know. Apple said that supply constraint in China resulting from the country's COVID-related lockdown recently could reduce second quarter sales between $4 and $8 billion. You know, when you start thinking about that, you really see how damn big that company is. When you go right down, we're going to have a difference of between $4 billion and $8 billion. <laughs> like That's a pretty wide range. Colgate Paul Mollive reported nice profit above expectations. Chevron reported a nice profit above expectations. ExxonMobil reported a nice profit ahead of expectations. AbbVie reported a profit of $3.16, beating expectations but below revenue numbers. Intel stocks getting beat up. And until yesterday, Intel was kind of a safe place to be because they were boring. They didn't have a high premium valuation because people would say, yeah, who needs Intel when we can go to AMD or NVIDIA? Let's take a look at some of these growth names that we talk about on the show often. So for the record, any company that's losing money is probably the riskiest company in your portfolio right now. I know that's a very generic thing to say. Don't go to the bank with that kind of advice. But companies that are well-followed and well-loved, but have high PEs because they're well-followed and well-loved, like Apple, like Amazon, um, Apple probably doesn't deserve a 25 times PE. It probably didn't deserve to go up as much as it did in the last two years. So there's a little bit of pain now as we're going, you know what? We shouldn't be punch drunk and pay anything for everything. Well, Amazon's down 342. 
It's a big number. Sitting at 25.50. Microsoft's lower today. Airbnb's a little bit higher. There's a little bit of love today on the travel stocks. Let's talk a little bit about that. Cruising's back. Um, I have no interest in ever getting on a Carnival cruise line. Now, again, that's going to be interesting because one day I'll be on a Carnival cruise line. My spouse will say, you know, you're drinking that fruity drink and you want to sit on the air. You'll never go on a cruise. Someone will recognize me. Go, Rob Black, you're on a cruise? And it'll just be the worst day in my life being called out for being a hypocrite and selling out and doing the cruise thing. But Carnival Cruise Line's up big today. Uh, it's kind of an ind- industry proxy, you know? It's kind of the, the, the canary in the mine. It's, it's okay. Carnival and its main peers would be Royal Caribbean, tier symbol RCL, and Norwegian Cruise Lines, tier symbol NCLH. They're all up today. Now, again, they're facing headwinds too for inflation. Their food costs, their fuel costs, their labor costs are all moving higher. Potential passengers refuse to get a COVID vaccination, precluding them from cruising in most cases and profitability for a full year is at least a year away. So we're getting to the point where I don't want to say we're stretched because that's the wrong, wrong way of saying it. But I think we're getting to the point of... uh, 2019 economy, 2020, 2021 economy. Then we're going to start saying things like 2022 and 23. 22 is the, we still have some masks and vaccination issues. Maybe 2023, we're like, ah, it's just a flu. And again, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. And just because I have a microphone, I, I, I sound like one at times. And it's really, really stupid. I have no clue where COVID's going any more than you do. But I rely on mainstream media to give me some insight. So there's a bullish thesis going on in cruise lines right now. You got the summer season and we're going to take one big step forward this year out of COVID. And then next year it's expected to take another big step forward. That could be a kind of a good recipe on crew on board cruise spending. This is something that's tracked spending while you're on board in restaurants, spas, and other venues. It's been good bookings for the summer and beyond picking up ticket pricing is holding up fairly well um will they have to cut prices to get everyone completely back or is that not it carnival was the most recent of the three major cruise lines to report earnings passenger occupancy was 54 percent they're getting there um it's now nearing 70 percent but you can see we still have another kind of year to play this through to get to where they want to be. They've got some good uh, momentum going, though. Good bookings. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Irreverent, over the top, and smart as a whip. This is The Rob Black Show. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com. 